been a long time, been a long time, been a long, lonely, 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 lonely time. Welcome back to Starship Impala. After our extended holiday hiatus, I'm your Galaxy Master, Joseph. And I had a lot of stuff come up that prevented me from getting these next episodes out, but I'm glad to finally be getting them out to you. These next three episodes are going to be Amity's origin story, and then we will be back to the main adventure. So thanks for listening, and thanks for your patience. Previously on Starship Impala. Where are you headed? Going to Verses. Finally. Finally. (laughs) So... Why exactly are we going to Versys? Ah, well, that is a long story, but luckily we do have about two days left, so settle in. You guys are in for a treat. another episode of Starship Impala. I'm your Galaxy Master, Joseph, and this week we are going to be starting the origin story for young Amity and find out a little bit more about who he is and where he came from, which means that with me today is... Hello, I'm Justin. Um, This is going to be super fun. I'm playing a new character. Uh, His name is Amity. He's a Lushunta and the Damaya subclass of that. Um... And yeah, he's an envoy. So before we start, tell us a little bit about your thought process behind creating Amity. Okay. Well, like in the last campaign we did, I played Bosk, and he was like a big brute. Um, and I mean, he had a soft side, but he was really like big um, when it came to like fighting and everything like that. So I wanted to just like mix it up a little bit. And then I was reading the different races, and I thought like the Lashunta seemed like a really cool um people like they could do a lot of different stuff yeah that was like the main thing it's just i wanted it to be a little bit different i'm really excited to see like this character in more of like a leadership role and less of like a i don't know like less action and more like diplomacy i guess Hmm. yeah definitely that'd be nice to see yeah so the idea behind the origin story we're doing today and for the origin stories for the rest of the crew is that we're going to record them before we start the main campaign. So that way everyone gets a feel for their character, how they act, who they are. Uh, But we won't air them until the content within them becomes relevant to the main campaign. So I don't know when this will be airing, (laughs) content uh, in what part of the campaign. Uh, But here we are today doing it. Um, It'll also give everybody a chance to level up to level 3. And then we will start the campaign with everyone at level 3. And I can start throwing harder stuff at them right away. Um, so with that, um, I'm going to let Justin introduce himself as Amity to get things started. Hi, my name's Amity. 
and my life so far has been an interesting one to say the least. I grew up on the planet Castrovel, and yes, it's as dreadful as it sounds. My home world is full of jungles and swamps, and since it's so hot, humid, and sticky, they're all kind of storms to weather. If you aren't eaten by a giant boheme or ripped apart by a leviath, then you'll probably get swept away by the mold storms. If you remember your Lashunta history, I'm sure you know that my people were at war with the Formians for over a thousand years, and that conflict ended just 60 years ago. To be honest, I didn't pay attention in history class, and I don't really remember what it was all about, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. All I know is that my grandfather, Sucho, was living in the great city of Kabara at the time when the war was winding down. The shining jewel of the Western Sea, they called it. The city has huge walls surrounding it to protect from the wilderness jungle, but inside the walls, Kabara was home to one of the most prestigious universities, innovative science laboratories, and the largest space station on the planet. The Lashunta people believe that every race has something to offer them, and they built their society on the grounds of learning, self-improvement, and the pursuit of perfection. Nearing the end of the war, my grandfather was appalled at the unnecessary loss of life, and advocated for a ceasefire and to live in peace. He claimed that war was counterproductive in achieving a utopian society. Although the war did eventually end, Grandfather Sucho was not pleased at how our leaders lacked remorse for the damage they caused. Although there was no more fighting, there was still anger and aggression in their hearts. Sucho led a movement, and together, he and a large group of his followers left Kabara and formed the Haven. The Haven is where I was born, and I spent my whole life. The mountains give us protection from the wilderness, and our location is quite remote. Though much more rural, this Haven still keeps up with technologies and the news of what's happening in the world. The unique part about my home is that hardly anyone ever knows that we're there. We don't trade, nobody new comes in, and nobody leaves. There's only about 400 of us there. Along with that, there are no weapons, no crime. Minor conflicts are handled with diplomacy. I know it sounds great, but really it's not. The people are trapped here, and it's kind of become a cult. For example, when Lashuntas turn 10 years old, they go through an ancient ritual, and they could choose to either become a Demaya or a Karasha. But since the beginning of time, people have believed that Lashuntas have the right to choose which subspecies they want to be. However, Grandfather Sucho thought that Karashas were naturally brutal and savage and dangerous, so he decreed that all children within the Haven must choose Demaya. And people were, were okay with that. I didn't understand. In school, I learned that Karashas were evil, but I have a hard time believing that. I mean, they're our brothers, and we live for 10 years with, that, with the capability of becoming one of them. Another weird thing is that there are no individual rights or property here. Everyone works for the good of everyone else. Most of our people believe that we're living the right way, even though nobody else is doing it. If you ask me, it's like a collective hive mind of idealistic nonsense. My grandfather died a few years before I was born, but my father TK was happy to keep his father's traditions going. He's a Demaya, obviously, and sort of an odd fellow with his own ideals. He believed that everyone, even strangers, are just friends that we haven't met yet. And that's why he and my mother named him Amini. The people wanted me to grow up and be a peaceful friend to all people. My mother died during childbirth, so I don't have any siblings. My father took her death really hard, and it changed him. It made him paranoid and deathly afraid of branching out. That's why nobody's allowed to leave the Haven. He believes that inside our boundaries is the safest place in the galaxy. For a while, I did too, until the PWLA came. In 308, after Gap, the quiet little village of Haven changed forever when Pact World's logging and agriculture showed up. The megacorporation had been exploiting the resources of Castrovel for years and were looking for a fresh source of resources when they stumbled upon the unspoiled Haven. 
Their CEO, a human named Ryland Carlyle, demanded to meet with the village's leader. TK accepted and invited Mr. Carlyle and his second-in-command, an android named Theory 7, to meet with him at the palace. Alright, I'm gonna cut to the chase because I'm a very busy man. Packworld's Logging and Agriculture is prepared to offer you 1,000 credits a week for your village's entire supply of porch tree lumber and giba berries, the conniving businessman said as he lit up a cigar. Mr. Carlyle, TK sheepishly responded, Surely, you realize what an unfair deal that is. Our people need the borch tree lumber for shelter, and the giba berries for food. I am certainly willing to offer you our surplus supply, but if you take all of it, my people won't be able to live. Mr. Carlyle takes a deep puff of his cigar. I don't think he fully understands the situation here, Theo, he says to his android friend, who sits emotionless behind the man, his circuits glowing a deep orange. Mr. Carlyle leans forward in his chair. You see, Chief, we're taking these resources one way or another. My offer is merely to be polite. TK stands up. Is that a threat, Mr. Carlyle? Ryland Carlyle stands up to meet TK's gaze, and Theory 7 follows suit. If it were, is there anything you could do about it? TK sighs. There was, but not without a lot of death and bloodshed. I suppose not. Carlisle smiles. Another victory. More inventory to sell that will make him even richer. Theo, I'm gonna leave you here to take care of this operation. The android nods and accesses his datapad. Yes, sir, Mr. Carlisle. A few strokes on his datapad, and suddenly the whole village was swarming with PWLA enforcers. Dozens of Karasha Lashinta who head to the lumber mills and berry patches and begin taking the inventory by force. The android turns to TK. I will be needing an office while I am here. Find me a suitable building. TK is slightly ashamed at what he's just done, but he feels that he saved a lot of lives. Yes, right this way. Five years later, the packed world logging and agriculture was still exploiting Haven for its resources, and the people of Haven were struggling. For the first time in the village's history, there were people going hungry and living on the streets. Yet most of the villagers still believe that obeying the PWLA is the best way to avoid danger or conflict. As demand for the rare borch tree lumber and giba berries grew, the PWLA started forcing Haven children to work in order to harvest as many resources as possible. Even the village's leader's own son wasn't spared this responsibility. Amity was put to work in a borch tree lumber mill, in charge of cutting and preparing borch trees for industrial use. Now 17 years old, Amity had seen enough of the PWLA and constantly pleaded with his father to take action against them, but TK refused, not wanting to risk conflict and the death of his people. Today, Amity has finally had enough. Um, okay, so they come in, they want um, all, the, all the inventory, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess I put my axe down because I'm probably chopping it up or something. Um, and then I take like a big pile, I just kind of like shove it at him and just like place it in their arms really like aggressively and say forgot what my voice was gonna be that's like <laughs> the one homework assignment i had uh it's like you think you're so tough just bossing us all around like this helpless one of the enforcers approaches you and says do we have a problem here and he gives you a shove i think we've had a problem here for a very long time as you can see our village is struggling since you've gotten here the man pulls a giba berry out of his pouch and eats it. Well, we're certainly not struggling. 
Can't you see how cruel this is to all of these people? It's not our fault your people just rolled over to Carlisle. Actually, it is. And if I had something to say about it, you would be gone. The man gets right up in your face and says, So do something about it. Yeah, I just punch him in the face as hard as I can. <laughs> Alright, roll an attack roll and see if you hit. Uh, ten, and then... So two, so twelve. As you swing at him, the man grabs your fist, and then he just laughs at you and says, You just made a big mistake. And he rolls to punch you back. Oh, man. And he got a 16 KAC. Alright, so he nails me. So he does four damage. Pretty solid punch there. So I, like, spit out a little bit of blood from my mouth, um, and I try to punch him again. So, 13 that time? That time you hit. All right. Ah, just one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you just barely hit him, and then he just kind of shakes it off and pushes you over towards the saw. And he got a 14. Okay, so that works, I guess. So he pushes you over closer towards the saw, and he's grabbing you. But now it's your turn. Oh, man. So I just... So he's grabbing me, so like... I need to like break free. How do I do that? You can try an athletics check or an acrobatics check to break out of the grapple by like kneeing him or headbutting him or something. Yeah, so I'll just try to do like an athletics check to like kind of wiggle out of his grasp, like run between his legs or something like that. So 18. Yeah, you're able to break free of his grip and slip out. Okay, and then it would be his turn then. Yes, yeah, right? so and actually his buddy comes over and tries to help him and he throws a punch at you as well. Ugh. <laughs> but he rolled a natural one, so he definitely misses. Okay. And now it's his turn, and he gets in your face again, and he says, You want to find out what happens when you mess with the PWLA? <laughs> I just, like, I feel like I'm not going to win, so I just, like, spit on the ground and, like, get back to working. And, like, I don't want to get beat up too much, because I feel like I've probably done that a couple times by now. <laughs> he says, That's what I thought. And then he gives you one more shove for good measure as he leaves. And he says, I'll be telling the boss about this. I say, you better. So sure enough, about an hour after the two PWLA goons leave with a hover truck full of the Borch Tree Lumber, you get a visit from two other PWLA enforcers. These two are armed. And they say, come with us. Okay. Um, I say, where are you taking me? One of them grabs you by the arm and says, you're about to go see the boss for insubordination. And he tugs you towards him. Okay, I just go with them. So they drag you over to Haven's newest building right near the palace. It's a prefabricated building that the Packworlds Logging and Agriculture dropped down in the city. And it says PWLA, Haven Branch. Hmm. And it's surrounded by guards like the two that just grabbed you that are armed. And they're all Karasha Lushunta. And the two guys bring you inside. They drag you inside, and seated at a desk is an android whose circuits glow a deep orange. He looks at the guards and asks, So, this is the one who attacked our men? The guards reply, Yes, boss. Well, well, aren't you TK's son? I say, Indeed I am, yes. Then I'm definitely going to have to make an example of you. Well, it can't be worse than the example you've already made for yourself, taking what's rightfully ours for your own. I believe your father agreed that it is rightfully ours now. Well, that's all going to change once I'm in charge. I doubt that that will ever happen. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Guards, bring him closer. And the guards drag you closer as he commands. And then he reaches out his cold metallic hand and slaps you across the face. And he does two damage. Okay. I don't know. I just take it. He just slaps me in the face. And I say, is that all? The android looks down at you and says, No, we are going to have to punish you publicly for this. And as soon as he says that, you see your father, TK, run into the room. And he says, Theo, why is my son here? What happened? Theory 7 looks at him and says, Your son needs to be made an example of TK. TK says, No, please, he didn't know any better. Yes, he does. He is 17 years old. Old enough to know that all of the Borch Tree Lumber and Giba Berries in this village are property of Pack World's Logging and Agriculture Incorporated. And we have the right, and we will, extract every last bit of it to sell. As you agreed upon. <sighs> yes, yes, I know. Just please, please just let me handle it. I'll, I'll make sure he doesn't do it again. Theory 7 contemplates this for a minute. My patience is growing thin with your son, but I will grant your request and let you punish him however you see fit. But be warned, this will be his last chance. Guards, get him out of my sight. And the guards drag you back out of the room, and TK follows you. Okay. The guards throw you out of the office and then walk back inside. I just say, I don't understand why you always put up with him. I know you're doing it for the safety of our people, but if we don't have those berries and that lumber, then we won't have any houses, we won't have any food, and we'll die anyway. I don't understand why you let them stay here. I don't have a choice, Amity. They almost just killed you in there. I, they'll kill all of us if I try and kick them out. But we could outnumber them and we could fight them. And then we would win, and they would never have to bother us again. You don't understand what kind of power a corporation like that has. That could use all of their resources on our little village. But maybe if we resist enough, they'll think it's not even worth it and just move on to some other place. Your father turns and starts walking you towards the palace. Look, Amity, we have to be hospitable towards them. We have a pretty good deal as it is, considering they haven't started killing us yet. And we need to keep it that way. Well, that's just it. They're not killing us yet. What if there's some other way we could get them out? Like, give them some sort of deal, pay them off, do something. We can't afford to pay them off, and there is no other way besides that. <laughs> and what you did almost jeopardized all of this. Your actions have consequences, son, for all of us. And you are going to be the leader someday. What you decide is going to have consequences for everybody in this village. I know. I'm sorry that I've disobeyed you, but you're looking out for the people, and I'm trying to do the same. I just think that there's a better way to go about it. Well, that's not for you to decide yet. Now I'm going to send you over to your teachers so they can give you a lecture about the consequences to your actions. Ah, not again. Well, maybe this time it'll actually stick and you'll stop these stupid antics. Okay. Right after your lecture, your best friend, Rocco, comes to see you. And he asks, Amity, what happened? What'd you do? I started a fight with one of the, one of the collectors. Uh, I just wanted to teach him a lesson, you know? Wow, that's, that's pretty cool, man. And I, I almost got away with it, too. They let me off pretty easy, actually. Um, it pays to be the prince sometimes. Actually, I, he's not a king, but, like, pays to be the son of the leader. 
Yeah, I'll say. I would have gotten in so much trouble. Yeah, hopefully one day people will see it our way and then we won't get in any trouble at all for doing things like that. Yeah, maybe someday when you're the leader and I'm the captain of the guard, we'll be able to kick these guys out once and for all. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And then we could build some real defenses, maybe even start a military. Yeah, instead of just the stupid gate wardens. Yeah, with their pointy sticks. Sometimes I feel like they're more designed to keep us in than to keep others out. I feel the same way. Sometimes I feel like maybe there's more help outside the walls than inside. Yeah, maybe, but I've never even seen the outside. Yeah, I, I haven't either. I've heard stories, and I mean, at school they taught us about it, but it's a whole other thing, I'm sure, going out there. You think there's more people like Theo out there? The metal guy? Well, I hope not. I hope not like him. Uh, but I'm sure that there's some. Well, I do think you should at least lay low for a bit. Yeah, I think you are right. Come on, let's go for a ride. Where, where are we going? Down to the berry patches and back. I'll race ya. All right, you're on. So you guys head down to the stables at the palace, and you see your pet Shotolashu. Yeah. Now, Shotolashu are traditional Lashinta mounts, because like Lashinta, they are also telepathic. So Lashinta are able to telepathically bond with them. And in Haven, most uh, important Lashintas have a Shotolashu mount, especially the leader's son. And did you think of a name for him or her yet? Um, I thought of a couple. I think I'm going to go with a he. Uh, his name is Ezekiel. All right, Ezekiel. I like it. Yeah. So you head down to the stables and you see Ezekiel. And Rocco is there with... My backup name was Shushu because they're, they're Shotalashus. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll go with that. So Rocco is there with Shushu, his Shotalashu. <laughs> and you guys approach them. So I just like... Kind of stroke its neck and then say hello and then hop on super effortlessly. And Rocco's hops on Shushu and says, all right, last one to the Giba Berry patching back as a rotten Giba Berry. <laughs> and now roll a, uh, well, let's see. So, like a handle animal or something? Yeah, but there's no more handle animal. So, oh, it's survival. Ah, I have none of that. Yeah, so it says here you can leap. Uh, if you ever have to leap, you'll make a check. Mm -hmm. You can spur your mount to go faster, which increases his speed by five feet, but he takes 1d3 damage from you kicking him. Okay. All right, so you guys dash out of the stable, and on your way through town, you both pass through the market, and you're going to have to guide him through all of the people and stands throughout the market. Mm -hmm. So make a survival check. Okay. Oof, an eight. Ooh, so I think on your way through, you bump into a few people. Mm-hmm. Is it, it's kind of like a, I'm imagining like a big like Komodo dragon looking thing. What's it look like? Yeah, kind of, but uh, not as scaly. I have a picture of it. Oh, wow. That's like muscular. But yeah, that's pretty much what I was picturing. So everyone in town is jumping out of the way and some are shouting as you ride Ezekiel and barrel through them. Um, and Rocco rolled a 14 so he navigates through them a little bit more deftly and uh only maybe bumps into a couple people and makes it through and so that means rock goes in the lead as you guys head out of the market towards the berry patches okay so i want to spur him on to catch up all right Ooh, it's a five. Ooh, no so your spur isn't effective 
Um, but Ezekiel's still going to take <laughs> three damage. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> no. And Rocco just stays at the same speed since he's already ahead. And so now both of you are further down the road. And then Rocco tries to take a shortcut and jump over a fence nearby. Okay. And then right behind him, I try to hop over it as well and roll a 15. Yeah, so you make it. And Ezekiel leaps over the fence, but Shushu didn't make it. And Rocco then falls off of her. And it's going to take five falling damage from the fall. Oh, no. Can I, like, look back and do a perception check to see if he's, like, hurt or just, like, fell? Yeah, but you could also use your telepathy. That's true. So I just, like, use my telepathy. Well, isn't it, like, always using telepathy, though, if I'm, like, talking to other Lushunta? No, not, not always. Lushunta have an actual language and can talk normally. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'll use my telepathy and be like, hey, are you okay back there? Yeah, I'm fine. And I say, well, that's not going to help you in the race, and then just keep going then. And so he tries to fast mount back onto Shushu. Ooh, and he does it. So yeah, he, he gets back up on Shushu, starts riding again, and now he's riding towards you and gaining ground on you. Okay, so I'll try to spur him on again. Keep him out ahead. Ah, natural one. Jeez, these dice need to be broken in a little bit. Uh, yeah, so your spur still doesn't have any effect on him, um, and this time he only takes one damage. So. Okay. And Rocco's still gaining on you, uh, but you've now reached the end of the berry patch, mm-hmm. and it's time to turn around and go back. So go ahead and make a survival check to see if you can turn quickly or if it takes you a while. Okay. Ooh, 18. Nice, yeah. So you do a quick 180 turn. And you and Ezekiel are heading back to the palace, and Rocco does the same. He got a 19, but he's still behind you. Oh, wow. So now you guys are heading back through the berry patch, and you're going to have to leap over the fence again. Okay, so... Or you can try going around it, but then he might gain ground on you. Yeah, I'll try to hop over it. That same fence. Here we go. Ooh, uh, rolls a six. Ooh, so this time you don't hop over it, and you fall off Ezekiel and take three damage. Oh, man. And so now that you fell, Rocco is just going to go around the fence since he missed last time. Okay. So then Rocco uses his telepathy with you and says, how does it feel? <laughs> Don't worry about me. I'll still beat you <laughs> and try to get up. Try to get up on and do like a quick mount. Uh-huh. A natural 20. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So you get back up. And fast mount onto Ezekiel. You have pop back on, leap right over the fence, and you're almost caught up with Rocco now. All right. Because he went all the way around it. Oh, yeah. So that, Okay, that makes sense. So now he sees you gaining ground, and he's going to try and spur on Shushu. But he fails. Ooh. Um, so I'll try to do mine. And then 13? Ooh, not quite. Not quite. So neither of you successfully spur your mounts and you stay at about the same pace you were both going at with Rocco ahead but as you go down the road and get closer to the marketplace you guys are neck and neck and people see you coming and they're like oh no they're back and now you guys are gonna roll your guide checks yeah let's see if I can navigate through here ah 20 All right, we got the lay of the land now. Yeah, this time you dodge, and Ezekiel even leaps over a person who's still on the ground. (laughs) And so Rocco and Shushu come through, and oh, he got a 10. So yeah, he 
uh, hits a couple of the stands on his way and falls a bit behind you now as you guys come uh, around the corner and are almost at the stables. So they're a little bit behind, so I'll just leave them there. I've noticed that like my my spur in Amon's not working, and I don't want to hurt him anymore, so we'll just keep going. <laughs> okay, so you come down the home stretch, and you arrive at the stables first. You make it there before Rocco. All right. And Rocco comes in behind you, and he says, Oh, man. <laughs> It's like, well, 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 always a pleasure beating you, my old friend. Yeah, yeah, I'll get you next time. <laughs> and he gets off a shoe shoe and puts her back in her stable. Um, What was the point of that? Just like for fun? Just for yeah, racing? Just gotta have some fun and establish your uh, relationship with your best friend, Rocco. Okay, cool. Um, So yeah, I'll just sta- stable up Ezekiel then too. Cool. Well, yeah, so as a direct result of your actions over the next few days, things do get worse. Uh, tensions grow higher. The PWLA starts sending armed guards around with all of the collectors as they gather the Borch Tree Lumber and Kiba Berries, and they're much rougher with the villagers and demand more out of them. And it's all the direct consequence of your action. So how do you feel? Does it still feel like you're doing the right thing? Um, yeah, I definitely do. But then I feel like I'm much more like careful about it now. Like I don't just openly like confront anything. I'm just kind of thinking about what to do next but just following orders as i'm supposed to all right good stuff to keep in mind uh so that is the life of amity as of now and how do you feel your first time playing as amity that was fun it was it was good um i feel like it was more natural to play amity than it was bosk in the last one and i think like it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun i think playing the kid that has a little bit of an attitude uh, yeah, I don't know. It was cool. Yeah. So for the next one, we will be flashing forward three years. So we're going to be leveling you up a bit. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that means you'll get to be level two to start the next one. Okay. And, and uh, with that, we'll we'll call this first origin story episode a success. And next week, like I said, we will be continuing with the second part of what should be a three-part origin story for Amity. If you like our show, check us out on Instagram at starship.impala.podcast and on Twitter at Starship Impala. Also, you can check out our website, www.starshipimpalapodcast.com, where you'll find our Patreon page and Dice Envy affiliate link. Our theme song is by the two Jakes. And with that, say goodbye. Uh, bye, guys. See ya. <laughs>